G'day everyone, I'm Nick Kirkenmeister from Heartland Wines on the Parade and we're coming to you today from Beyond Bouldering on Grenfell Street right in the heart of Kent Town, another business that's part of your local community. Now the Nord Paynham and St Peter's Council is full of wonderful leafy streets and beautiful homes but you may not be aware just how many vibrant businesses make up the heart of our community. We're here today with three of them. We've got Abs from Saha, a fantastic eatery that we're about to explore and find out so much more about. We've got Steve from Identity Marketing. G'day, Steve. G'day, Nick. And of course, we've got John from McConnell's Upholstery and Furnishings. So let's find out a little bit about these three businesses, what makes them unique and how they can make all of our lives a better place to be. Steve, I'll kick off with you. Yeah. Tell us exactly where you are, mate. Yeah, so we're 427 McGill Road at St. Morris. Um, I usually say to people that if you know where Jets is, we're in the building above Jets or across the road from Audi. So for people who maybe haven't had a lot of experience with marketing or branding, how would you let novices know what it is you do? Yeah, really good question. I get asked this all the time. So a good example of, of that is um, like, for example, both of us are wearing, say, RM, RM Williams shoes. And, um, you know, people buy things because they believe it says something about them or they align with that particular product. And so what marketers and people that work in branding do is they look at the, the product, they look at the price of that product, and they look at who's going to be buying that product. And then they go out and develop values and carefully craft a brand around that and push that out to people who would likely buy that product. So what we essentially do is help people make better choices around what they're going to buy. Now, that is going to involve a lot of traditional methods but social media is becoming more and more important i would assume i would almost say social media is traditional at this point i guess you're probably right yeah Yeah. so how do people what what should people be doing to incorporate social media more into their everyday business yeah so i think a really good example is that um every story has like a start a middle and an end and so um i might use say ads for example over here like let's say you've got a new product going onto the menu, you can easily post on social media to say, hey, we've got this new pizza on the menu. But instead of just putting the pizza on the menu and talking about the end, you can talk about the start where maybe like, hey guys, we're, we're thinking about, we've got, we're thinking about putting a new pizza on the menu. These are the five options that we're looking at. Uh, leave, a, leave a comment about the one you like the most and then follow that up with another post to maybe talk about, hey guys, out of these five, these three are the top pizzas that everyone liked. For this month, we're going to be running a special on these three pizzas. If you're, you know, looking to, um, if you're coming in, buy one of these pizzas. The one that sells the most is going to be the, the one that's going on the permanent menu. And then you can then talk about that as that's happening. And then at the end of that, finally add that pizza to the menu. So like there's a whole conversation around the start, the middle and the end. And I think most people just go straight to the end. So you're missing so much of, of engaging with, the, with your customers, getting more engagement. Getting um, everyone involved. Yeah, getting them involved in the conversation and, and making it more of a conversation instead of a communication. So speaking, John, about Start Middle, uh, you've been part of this community now for over 20 years in terms of your business. Uh, And it was straight, I think, for the first location. But you've been on McGill Road for over 20 years now. 28 years the business has been operating and I've probably been on the road for at least 23 of them. Now, I remember a few years ago, mum getting all of her chairs reupholstered with you. But in this modern day of throwaway furniture where so many people are tragically, you know, grabbing something from a local box store. How are you seeing your business evolve and and what's the future? Uh, Well, COVID probably set everybody 
a light and made them be more proactive rather than sitting back and just waiting for life to happen to them. So got rid of a lot of procrastination in people, maybe raised a little bit of anxiety with them a week later when they're discovering that their furniture is not back in their home. <laughs> but for the same time, uh, everything sort of moved along really well uh, with COVID and people come out and have furniture refurbished. So a lot of clients um, set about organising their lives again with uh, doing that sort of work. When you think about the craftsmanship that goes into your work, and you're right, people have this immediate need for gratification. I've asked for it. Why didn't I get it back yesterday? But attention to detail must be the cornerstone of what you do. What's the process when someone comes to you either for something bespoke or someone comes to you looking to get something refurbished? How do you approach it? Uh, First, uh, the client will probably come into the store and we'll pull out some fabrics and some samples and run through what they might like to have. Uh, we'll have a look at their furniture and see what actually needs to be done to it. If it's traditional or if it's contemporary, uh, it'll have different processes evolved to um, make that um, be something they'll want and enjoy in their homes. I drive past your business a few times a week, but for people at home who don't know, exactly where are you situated? So we're uh, 134 McGill Road, just next to Richards Park, um, and in between uh, Ambrosini's. Uh, Ambrosini's is a landmark restaurant, so we're um, pretty easily found, really. Uh, Speaking of landmark restaurants and also speaking of uh, uh, businesses that round up the McGill Road experience, Abs, you are in Saha uh, on McGill Road and uh, have been for the last couple of years, but you've been a part of the community a lot longer than that. How long have you been doing what you do here? On McGill Road? Uh, We started off on McGill Road probably five years ago, Um, more, sorry. More like eight years ago. Um, <laughs> Time flies. St. Morris, the Little Eastern, we set that up a few years back. Um, had a great journey there, outgrew that space in about three months and moved on um, because we couldn't expand in the space we're in. So uh, took a little break and then opened up the first iteration of Saha on the parade um, in 2017 and then um, uh, opened up on McGill Road in 2019. So... so- your cuisine, from my experience, there are lots of different offerings, but obviously there's the strong Lebanese theme yep. running through what you have. So come for a breakfast, you could grab your eggs basically any way you want, but there are wonderful uh, Lebanese inclusions. Then you come for lunch and you've got the full experience, everything from shish to falafel. Uh, is this your family heritage or where does Absolutely. this come from? Yeah, so Lebanese background, um, first generation Australian born, but... Uh, the food is such a strong part of our culture. Lebanese food is, is pretty well known around the world now. The falafels, the dips, the, uh, um, you, you know, all of those flavor, flavors are, are famous for that region that we come from. Um, we do your basic eggs on toast and then we go into your more traditional uh, form of dummies, which is, you know, slow cooked fava beans with chickpeas. And, you know, we cater to. Anyone that comes through the door, we, we can cater to, from vegans to vegetarians to, 
you know, any dietary requirements because of the food that we do is, is uh, itself uh, simple, uh, wholesome food which, which we make from scratch. So, um, yeah, we, we give it our own little spin. Um, modern Lebanese cuisine is what I like to call it. Now, I have this cliched vision of you standing next to your mother while she's trained you in the cooking of all these dishes. Where does the impetus come from? Where does your passion for cooking come from? My passion started with coffee, um, I must say. Uh, the food was always there, but my passion was coffee. Um, we started with a little coffee shop and the food just kept creeping in. We started with sandwiches and falafel wraps and stuff like that, you know, 12 years ago when I first started doing this. Um, and we just kept getting asked for more and more of the food um, to a point where I had mum making food for us at home and we'd take it into the shop and, and we'd sell it in there. So um, they've been the backbone of the food for us um, in, in the Saha journey because the recipes are our home recipes. They're the recipes that mum used to make for us when we were kids. So um, I love cooking. Um, my thing is coffee. Um the, the, the food, yeah, was just a natural progression for us. Now, I don't want to appear too parochial, but uh, obviously I'm an Adelaide boy born and bred and I've travelled around the world and I think you're hard-pressed to find better coffee than you get here in Adelaide. Now, a couple of good spots in Italy, I'll give them their due, a couple of good spots in Melbourne, but apart from that, I, I'm generally looking for disappointment. Why do you think it is that Adelaide coffee culture is so strong? Ah oh, man, obviously Melbourne was where it started, right? Um, coffee culture in Adelaide has come such, come such a, a long way over the last, you know, 10 years that I've been doing it. From the, the how many sugars in your coffee question to, you know, you, you get two choices of a coffee now. Like it, it's, it's come such a long way. The coffee culture in Adelaide, because I think the quality of the food here is so high, the quality of, of homegrown produce here is so high it's just a natural progression for coffee to follow that i mean we use um tweedvale milk which is an adelaide hills product we use coffee that's roasted here in stepney um all, all locally sourced locally produced products um uh the quality is always going to be there in adelaide because because of that fact you know we're world class when it comes to producing um and supplying food products I think uh, just as the coffee culture has rapidly evolved, the other thing I've seen in retail spaces and, and, and opportunities out there to purchase, there is much more of a focus on the young and what we do for our children. And John, I've got a question for you here, because as well as the bespoke work that you do, you also have pieces of furniture available for sale to the public. And there's a large focus on furniture for children, furniture for kids. How did that evolve and, and what's the impetus there? Uh, Twelve years ago when my son was born, I decided that I would try and make some furniture for him. Uh, when I first uh, did my trade in Ireland many years ago, uh, I used to do some work for a school friend of mine whose family had a furniture business. And I used to make kids bed heads and little chairs for them, things like that. So I knew the products that I wanted to make. And I just set about picking out a few feature pieces and making them up and uh, promoting them in the shop. 
and then we decided that we'd um, try and get the name McKids to follow on from McConnell's. And, uh, yeah, we just try and make furniture then that will suit the needs for different people and playful things, things that, you know, are a little bit unusual with fabric combinations or um, throw cushions or floor cushions or just different things like that. And is that becoming more of a central part of what you do or is it still mainly people coming in with specific requirements and needs? Um, I'd have to say it's probably very much uh, to a person's needs. And not everybody uh, sees through the same glasses as I do when it comes to colour coordination. I do like mixing up fabrics and colours. And initially when I started the business, uh, we didn't have a lot of furniture and it was uh, something that was to grow yet. Uh, so we bought secondhand furniture and refurbed it or made some small pieces for children or whatever. And so in the end, uh, we kind of grew past that. A lot of the furniture we do now, we make in store um, to order rather than have somebody look for something in a different colorway uh, to something we have on the floor, which we can't provide. Um, and we just expand on from there. So we do kids' furniture, we do restaurant and the commercial sector, we cater for that. And also we do as much as we can of the domestic. Listening to John talk about how he tailors his work to suit the needs of various customers, Steve, I'm thinking particularly about how you work with your clients. When I uh, either pick up the phone or come in to talk to you, how does that experience go from the beginning and, 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 and sharing my needs? How, how do you try and eke out from me what it is you're going to be able to do to help grow what my business needs to become? Yeah, so um, it always starts with, with a why. So everyone's always got a reason why they're speaking to us. So like if I was to use, say, John next to me as an example, what I might say is something like, let's say he wanted to reach more more people, I would say, well, you know, like if you look at, say, TikTok, which seems like a weird place for John to be advertising, you've got a whole bunch of young people on there who are buying furniture off Marketplace that's like was beautifully built but just hasn't had love over the years and they're going back and they're sanding it and they're refurbishing it and they're flipping it and selling it and making money. And what I've been noticing on that is that there's a lot of those younger people who are now being approached by people with furniture that they already own and, and they're being asked to... Um, to fix up that furniture for them and they're being paid to do it. So, like, it's really interesting. I think it's um, looking at, you know, where your customers are before they need you, where are they hanging out, where are they spending time, why are they on these platforms, why are they, why are they spending, you know, days and weeks and months and hours looking at furniture being fixed up and then, and then advertising to, to those customers and just putting content out you know, to let them know about who you are and what you do before they need your services. So when they do need your services, you're on the shopping list. So I might know that I want to expand my business and find new markets, but I won't necessarily know where these markets can be found. You've already explained TikTok might be one of those options. So you're not just bringing people uh, to a way to explain their message or a message to convey. You're also telling them where that message is best shared. Yeah, 100%. So I think when, when you um, deal with someone that does marketing strategy, what you're, you're getting is their expertise. So like if you were to talk to ads about opening up a new restaurant, he could say, like, these are the 10 things you need to do. These are the 10 things you need to avoid. If you do these three, you probably go really well. If you do these three, you probably ruin your business. And so when you, you're dealing with a marketing person who has had um, a lot of experience helping a lot of smaller companies or, different, or companies like yours, 
do marketing, what they do, they bring to the table is that experience and they can really guide you in the right direction to say, like, these are the key things you need to do to get the results you want to get. Abs, John mentioned before that in a counterintuitive way, COVID was actually a little bit beneficial for the business that it had people thinking about their furniture. I can't imagine on any level that COVID was good for your business. And just before we were all hit by this terrible pandemic, you were hit by disaster with fire destroying your premises and having to start again. Mm. Now, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, you're here, you're back, you're firing on all cylinders. Tell us a little bit about that process, how you go from witnessing that devastation, going through COVID where no one's eating, no one's going out, to a point where you're still able to flourish as a business. What a roller coaster! <laughs> um, the last few years. So, rewind uh, December 2017, I believe it was. Uh, we had a fire in the kitchen, which basically burnt out a third of the property. Um, one of those moments you never forget. Getting that call at one o'clock in the morning, but um, it's just something that happens, and yeah. You just got to push on and, and try to get back into it. So COVID struck, um, I think, a month after that, um, early 2020. Um, so struggling to get back into business uh, with some challenges with the landlord and, and, and that whole situation just meant um, we had to look for a new space. Looking for a new space in the heart of the pandemic was a challenge, um, you know, People uh, with closed doors not paying rent um, meant spaces weren't available. Um, uh, it wasn't until towards the end of 2021 that we, um, 2020, sorry, we, we, we actually found a new space on McGill Road and it was actually through uh, an old customer of ours that reached out and said, hey guys, we've got this beautiful old, old cottage, um, we'd love to, to have a coffee shop in there. So. We went and met with them, loved the space, um, said, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Love the community. Back on McGill Road, um, it's a win-win for us. So, uh, I mean, it's always hard uh, transitioning into a new space, changing locations for a business. Um, you've got to amplify that with COVID and all of that that goes with it. So um, it's it's been a rough few years for, for the industry as a whole, and it's just – Every week at the moment, we're just getting another curveball. The cost of goods, mm. uh, the supply chain issues, all of that right now. I really feel for, for people in our industry, across all, all small business that are struggling because uh, this is the toughest I've seen. I mean, I've, I've only been doing this in relation to these guys, you know, the last 10 years or so, but it's bloody tough out there right now. I, I think, you know, having been through something similar, having one of my premises uh, burned down because of, an accident caused outside of my control. It's quite a visceral experience. It, it, it really does, you know, as you see every part of your business affected. And then I think we all felt COVID as a very, very powerful thing at the time. Mm. And I, I, I think there's almost a willingness to try and forget what we went through to, to move on. But that tenacity that you need when you're working in retail, when you're running your own business, is yeah. I think why you're still surviving while you're here. Yep. Do uh, I must ask each of you as your businesses have evolved, 
Are you seeing the same customers that you saw five years ago, that you saw 20 years ago? Is it evolving a great deal? Because I see this community constantly evolving. There's a wonderful tradition here, but there's also this this constant vibrance that you turn a corner and there's always something new going on, either down a side street or on McGill Road itself. How have you seen it evolve and, and change? And I guess I'll finish off with John because you've got so many years of watching it happen. But, but Abs, what have you seen over recent years? Um, we've seen, so for me, over four locations that I've had cafes, um, I have seen customers follow us, which is incredible. I've seen people from the local community come and support us, which has been amazing. Um, it was actually our customer base that, motivated us to to keep pushing to find a new space honestly without bumping into people in the streets and and them saying i can't wait for you to reopen without that push i i don't know if we would have done it on our own like we really wanted to but that community support was phenomenal um we used to see people a lot more regularly uh throughout the week um covid i think is is hurting some people at the moment, which we, I mean, we, we feel for a lot. So we're not seeing, you know, the two to three times a week visit. We might see one or two times a week, which is, we, we still appreciate that support as well. So, And it, I think it is just vital to remind everyone how much that support means, that if you don't know what it is that you want to be doing next, supporting local business like Abs, like John. And, and, and Steve, I'm, I must ask you, your business um, you you must be seeing a, a, a different sort of person walk through the door. What's the what's the direction you see your business going in? Yeah, well, um, we don't actually have that many people walk through the door. Most of our business is done over Zoom these days. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so um, before COVID, I was flying like every week to like Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne, and then I stopped because of COVID. And I was before that, I was trying to get people to do Zoom, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is so weird. I don't want to do Zoom. It's just." I don't want to jump on a computer and do video with a, with a stranger. Whereas now people are like, it's totally normalized. Well, I'll, I'll have like three, four, five, six Zoom meetings a day with different people and I don't have to leave the state. I can comfortably do it from the office and walk across the road to Scala and grab a coffee and do another one 10 minutes later. So, yeah, that, that's been really helpful for us. And, John, how have you th- seen things evolve? Is it, uh, I mean, you still seeing the same guys that you saw in day one or is it a, a different crowd altogether? Um, in the 28 years that I've been along the strip, um, I have clients who come back to me. I, I kind of talk about the big wheel. It might be a long time before the wheel comes back to you, but when they have something to do, they come back. Um, things have changed on the strip a lot more. The strip has become a lot more modernised, a lot more shops that cater for homewares and soft furnishings and also some nice restaurants and small coffee shops alike would be quite popular along the strip. Um, But in terms of clients, our clients have stuck with us along the way. We do see good return and we do see new clients. So word of mouth is really big. Uh, Spending money on advertising this year, I'm going to cancel my yellow pages, which Probably sounds a little bit archaic in this stage of the game, but but I'm going to do it because even though we're be okay. up at number one yeah. in the listing, yeah. I'm just going to do it because we're not. That's not where our clients come to us from no. anymore. They come to us from our Google reviews, which is 
right on the nose where people will tell you exactly what our business is about or give you a comment on how good or bad we are. So whether it's Abs at Saha who's every day uh, servicing the community's needs, whether it's John at McConnell's who's helping you out with that special piece of furniture or something unique that will make your house a home, or whether it's Steve who at Identity Marketing is representing not just the community but representing the entire nation with marketing and branding ideas. There's so much going on right here in Nord. Paynham, St. Peter's. So look around, see what's happening and be a part of it. Uh, I'd like to thank all three of you for joining us here today and uh, thank everyone who's watching for being part of what we're doing. Good on you, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for having us.